0: In old school games, life is cheap, don't be a dope, bring your pole, oil, and rope, and try not to go down in a heap. What's up dude, it's Joe.
1: Uh, so I think something weird happened with Anchor when it uploaded your new episode onto, at least, I haven't checked it out anywhere else, but on... Apple Podcast, which is where I listen to most of my podcasts. It's only the first little uh, movie clip. That's all that's up there. Everything's there on Anchor, though, so I listened to it, and it was another great episode, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. If you didn't already know that, which you might. uh, Anchor screws up a lot sometimes. It's happened to me a bunch. Man, anyway, take it easy, dude. Peace
0: out. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast. I'm your host, Rob, podcasting to you from beautiful and somewhat snowy Minneapolis. That was Joe Richter at the top of the show from the Hind Sightless podcast and the Wheeler Woe actual play. Thanks for the heads up. Uh, I did hear from people in the Audio Dungeon about my little mishap as well. That's the first time I've really had a big snafu with Anchor, and I'm not really sure what happened. I published the podcast, and for some reason, all it posted in... The non-anchor or the, you know, pod catchers and stuff was the little snippet from Moby Dick, and that's the first segment I had recorded. You know, I just recorded it while playing a a movie DVD. If, <laughs> if you can't tell, the great, the great technical skills and uh, production values here on Down in the Heap are unparalleled. Not, but we'll see if I can get through this podcast without any snafus and i apologize if you wound up having to search it seems to have worked itself out now but now of course i've got two episodes of the same thing one with just uh, like a disclaimer that it's a re-release i'll have to delete one of those episodes or something but i also got a couple of, uh messages from jason so let's go to those
1: Hey Rob, Jason here. Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So it's interesting you mentioned the war game thing, like Matt Finch does. Um, I've actually watched his actual play videos. I'm pretty bad. I'm not a big actual play person. But um, the thing I remember from a lot of war game sets are sometimes the winner of initiative will act first in those you know in those segments, and sometimes the loser of initiative will act first in those segments. Right. So, mm. see, Maddie got uh, Maddie jealous of Herm, but so we'll have, like, say, movement, maybe the loser has to move first in the movement round, and then the winner moves, but for firing, the winner fires first, and then the loser goes, so I don't know if you had those same kind of things in the games you played. The other thing I thought about, and it looks like there's going to be a two-parter, when you started talking about, I know you came up with an idea later where you... Rolled two dice, or up. I know you did the dice chain. You went to the next higher die for higher level characters. But what I was thinking was you rolled the hit die for the for the character, but then you add their level to their roll. Okay. So if you're rolling a, you know, a eighth level fighter, he'd roll D8 plus eight, or a twelfth level wizard would be a D4 plus twelve, and what that does is it gives some credence to the experience of, even though these non-combat classes, you know, they're non-combat, but that said, a 12th level level wizard has seen a lot more combat than a first level fighter, probably. So that that was kind of my idea there. But other than that, everything you say sounds really good to me. And maybe I'll try it my next game. Take care.
0: Bye. Hey, thanks for the calls, Jason. I appreciate it. I, I do remember there are some war games where, yeah, the initiative or the the person that has some kind of strategic or tactical advantage moves after the the person that doesn't have it, and that allows you to um, concentrate forces and things like that. It kind of depends on the game. It seems like games that have areas rather than hexes seem like they had more of those kind of concepts. Like, I know Civilization... The advanced or the Avalon Hill version of civilization, you always moved last, uh, or you went in census order, and the uh, the civilization that had the smallest amount of units actually moved last. But that was a huge strategic advantage. In a tactical game, or in one where you're kind of occupying territory, um, I think it's an advantage typically to move first. Um, uh, it's only an, an advantage to move afterwards, I think, or as much of one when you can jointly occupy something, but if someone can just zip into a city and occupy it, uh, and the, the defender or the person that moves afterwards have, has to then take that territory from you, I think it's generally advantageous to move first. Anyway, that's an interesting idea, um... I kind of like the idea of somehow having movement as a little bit of a give and take, but that really does start complicating things, and it probably does start feeling a little bit too much like a miniatures game or a war game for some. Again, it, like almost everything, your mileage varies based on the people you're playing with and their specific likes and dislikes. As far as the idea of having... a my little initiative idea with using the the hit die as your initiative die and adding your level to that die roll, I do like the granularity of that where every level matters. Uh, I wonder if though, depending on what kind of game you have and how quickly characters advance and how high they get, eventually the bonus would start making the die roll just kind of an afterthought. the the bonus starts becoming the most important thing. But I do like the idea of the granularity. One thing, after I recorded the episode, one option I was considering is just having your level-to-hit bonus be the bonus to initiative, so fighters go up more rapidly in that regard than clerics or thieves or magic users. Um it's all a work in progress, but if you do tinker around with it and try it out at your table, I'd be very interested to hear how it goes. And of course, that goes for everyone listening. Let's go to the main topic. It's November 11th today, which originally was known as Armistice Day, commemorating the end of World War One on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918, and now it's uh, just known as veterans day which i suppose still commemorates that day but also honors the military service members and their um their commitment and sacrifices it always makes me think a little bit about how crazy people are and throughout history how many people have died in wars and i don't know <laughs> millions upon millions upon millions of people, and all we do is come up with more deadly and diabolical ways to kill people. That kind of makes me want to talk about gaming (laughs) instead of real stuff. The other thing, though, that that Veterans Day did for me was uh, put the idea of how you have holidays or festivals, anniversaries, in your game setting and how that can add quite a bit of uh, immersion into those settings. It provides a window into a a fantasy world or a far future world in a manner that we can all understand because we all celebrate things. We all seem to have a need to memorialize things and commemorate things and remember things. And we often do it revolving around a calendar. So I do think it's really cool when, whether it's a a pre-made setting or one that you make up yourself, if you have an actual calendar, it helps with not only tracking uh, just time in the game and how long it's been since you left the dungeon or started crafting some magic item or forging a suit of armor or something, but it also just tracks the days and a good setting or (laughs) a setting that really tries to make you think you're involved with it can have things like these holidays and festivals and anniversaries. And maybe they're just days of the week too. is, Is there one day each week that's market day? is there one day each week where the gods are honored is there one day each week where people fast or feast and these holidays and stuff what are they they can be they could be personal like a birthday uh they could be a wedding anniversary maybe memorializing uh a close family member that passed away maybe Maybe it's something to do with your craft or job or something like that. I mean, if if it's a, a society that really focuses on on people's occupation, maybe you have some day where you celebrate, this was the day I started becoming a blacksmith or something. I don't know. Maybe there are civic holidays or festivals commemorating the new year or harvest or the date of some battle or the end of a war the founding of a city the founding of some civic building maybe it's sports is there something in the equivalent of the super bowl or the world series or the world cup or something in your in your game setting and what is that sport is it a blood sport how do you celebrate these things is it is it feasting is it fasting is it a big sex party? <laughs> Is it craziness? Is it like Saturnalia or something? Could there be craft fairs like there were in medieval times where, you know, a specific craftsman, maybe they all, there was like a shearing ceremony. So there was all this uh, wool. Uh, that was accumulated on specific or certain times of the year. Um, are they religious festivals? I mean, each each power or deity could have some kind of set of religious festivals of their own, so you could conceivably having these things go on all the time. And how do the faithful of each of these religions... You know what do they do for these religious uh, ceremonies or festivals are they are they processions of some sort are they sacrifices are they a pilgrimage to some holy site uh, saint athelstan you know was martyred in this city and we go there every year to commemorate his death and sacrifice or something do you wear some kind of special garb. I mean, you could have like a costume-related uh, holiday for anything. It could be civic or religious. Um, or like a craft or personal one, too. Maybe you wear black on certain some occasion, or red, or blue, or whatever. Some kind of mask, or other regalia. All these things, I think, can create some type of setting flourish. And maybe maybe I'll do some kind of series of podcasts on these kind of ideas of setting flourishes, just little things you can add to your campaign that's the spice in your recipe that takes it from mundane to something special and memorable. And ugh, I sure know I'm guilty of this myself. I fall into the... the Easy, lazy habits of not even thinking of this stuff, but I'd like to incorporate these ideas more into my games and settings. And of course, this isn't even this is just scratching the surface. What, what would different species uh, have as holidays and festivals, anniversaries? What I mean, that's one way you can really differentiate between them. Would something like I don't know, would would dwarves be like salmon and they'd return to the halls and caves where they were born for some kind of mating ritual? Do some of these non-human species actually have migration kind of uh, uh, baked into their DNA where they, they feel compelled to go somewhere on certain days? Do... Something like elves, do they. Is the reason they're so long, have such a long life, because they go into some kind of stasis every seven years? So maybe they have to migrate back to their ancestral forest home and in some grotto or something, they <laughs> go into a year long stasis. I think those are. Interesting things uh, to explore, to try and differentiate the non-human from the human. But of course you can also have all these things along cultural lines. And different cultures of elves and dwarves and halflings could have their own uh, specific festivals too, based on religion or culture, etc. Just like humans. But it could all create a huge, crazy melting pot and when the especially when the characters are in a foreign land i think that's when it becomes fun to just have some kind of maybe you just randomly determine each day if there's some kind of festival that week and people are preparing for it maybe they're buying gifts because it's gift giving time or um they're making their costumes for something Maybe when you just go to, it can affect mundane things, too. You're, you're in town and you need to go see the alchemist to have him identify some potions you found in a, a ruin. But the alchemist isn't home right now because he's on vacation celebrating his wedding anniversary. <laughs> or maybe uh, the local smith doesn't want to mend your armor because it's his birthday. All these things could add just a little touch of reality to the game. And uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. I aim to do it myself. I'll take a little moment here, too, to shout out a couple podcast episodes that I thought were especially good by one Froth from The Thought Eater. He did one yesterday on a call-in show with people calling in with their unpopular opinions about D&D and other games, I thought that was an excellent episode, and the week before he had an episode about another call-in episode where he was requesting people to share their personal DM weaknesses. I thought both of those were excellent and well worth your time. If you have any comments about today's show, any ideas for a show, just want to chat about Anything game-related, drop me a line here on Anchor. You can email me at bigbalboni at gmail.com. That's B-I-G-B-A-L-B-O-N-I at gmail.com. It's in honor of Steve Balboni, a big meat-cutter, home-run hitter from back in the 80s. I don't know why. (laughs) He just always amused me. But until I talk to you again, don't go down any heap. I should have added to this. I meant to do this, and I'm adding it here now. Give me a call. Let me know what kind of festivals and holidays you have put into your games. What's worked out? If something hasn't worked out, what was that? But uh, yeah, spill it. Let's hear what your ideas for holidays and festivals are.